Welcome back to the TKZ Outdoors podcast. We're recording springtime here in Michigan, up in the UP here. The snow is finally melting. The fields are bearing up a little bit, but the deer have not migrated north yet. We're going to get my brother, Ryan, and our TKZ member, Russ Seltz, on the phone today. We're going to recap their southern lower peninsula deer seasons. It's springtime greened up down there. We might get a little turkey talk in at the end. But we're gonna mainly focus on their deer seasons because they had they had a they had a, they had good seasons, especially my brother. So let's get them on the phone here, and we're gonna be talking more deer hunting in Michigan. All right, thanks for joining us. We have my brother Ryan Brown on the phone as well as Russ Seltz. We're gonna start talking with our um, their Michigan deer season and all their action takes place in the bottom. I guess third of the state in the southern lower peninsula in the thumb area here on county and i guess let's get started guys thanks for being on the podcast giving some time tonight and ryan how was your bow season let's let's jump into october and, and kind of progress through the season and then we'll get russ on there and he can chime in whenever he feels like it all right sounds good russ how you doing over there buddy Pretty good, Ryan. Nice right. to see you. Hear from you again, Don. You too. Everybody's surviving the, the lockdown, I take it, right? Barely. <laughs> yeah, barely. Uh, already had to make a run to the liquor, well, not the liquor store, the grocery store that had liquor at it, so uh, that way it can kind of keep us sane for the next couple of weeks, however long this lasts. <laughs> Gotta get the necessities, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when they don't have milk, you gotta mix Bud Light in with your cereal once in a while. <laughs> you gotta do what it, do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> I, I grabbed a, I grabbed a project in the basement, so I put my carpenter skills back to work, and and just it's been interesting finding stuff I need around the house that's been sitting around for a while. Hey, I could use that. Right. So that was my project for the week. Back to work tomorrow for a little while. For the rest of the week, so. Try to get some normalcy out of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you never realize how much you miss it until, or you don't realize you'd miss work until you're sitting at home for two weeks. <laughs> oh, no, I've, I've been getting up, crack of dawn, like, oh, man, I got, something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be doing something right now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. That's too funny. Well, yeah, well, it's right. uh, good to at least get on the phone with you guys and, talk deer hunting at least instead of uh COVID-19 and all the nonsense that engulfs it I'd much rather talk about my bow season but yeah Don mine um my season was pretty eventful from the very beginning to the very end um uh, for me it was the year of close encounters and I know you know a lot about that and Russ you probably know a little bit about it too just from the stories we swathed but it seemed like every sit I had I was seeing a buck that would at least get me pretty excited. Now, I seen some nice bucks where I didn't um, punch the trigger on it just because I set this new goal for myself that I want to kill three-and-a-half-year-old deer because um, before I, I realized that I'll have a wolf or a, a living room full of two-and-a-half-year-old bucks um, hanging. So my don't, make, don't make the same mistakes I did. I did the same, <laughs> that same thing. Well, you're my example. I don't, I'm trying to learn from you. I'm not, not doing that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like last year, 
You know, I killed those two 10-pointers in 26 hours. And, Russ, you've seen the first one that I got at uh, my uncle's. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope that was a two-and-a-half-year-old 10-pointer because it was quite small in body size compared to the second one that I killed below your dad's. Um, that deer was at least three-and-a-half years old, so it's got me on this mindset of three-and-a-half-year-old bucks. Yeah, the... The what sold me on that two and a half was just sort of the chest size on the animal, uh, the length of nose. Um, there's little things that you notice over you when you hunt over time, you know, between a year and a half and two and a half. And right, right. I had no doubt about it. Okay. I was pretty excited. To, um, pretty pretty <laughs> confident that was a good two and a half. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. So like. This year going into it, you know, I had a really good good year prior, um, and then starting this year, I just, I wanted to set my goals a little higher, and, and like I mentioned, I was hunting quite a bit, you know, do a lot on the weekends, I live down in southeast Michigan, so I, I travel up to the Thumb pretty much every weekend with the, the wife and kids in tow and, and hunt my face off and, until the wife gets upset with me towards December time, um, but I build up enough good graces where I, she allows me to do October and November. So each weekend that I was hunting, I was really focusing on this whole red moon thing. Um, I know I mentioned it to both you guys as the season started that I'm buying into this red moon deal. And I don't really know anything about it other than I got this calendar that told me when the red moon was. And it got me excited. It was like, oh, man, sweet red moon weekend. I'm going to go hunt. And I swear, each time I sat, I seen a decent buck, Um, whether it was north of Harbor Beach and Port Hope or if it was in Harbor Beach. It seemed like every weekend I seen a nice buck during bow season. Um, My first sit was I got out of work pretty early. I think it was like October 12th was the first time I sat that weekend. And uh, I had that seven point show up um, on the west side down at at Uncle Robert's place. Um, I had mentioned that hunt to you. And that was, it was a good deer. It was a young buck, but it was a good hunt. Um, It was good to see something with some horns. Um, That got me pretty excited. And just every weekend after that, it, it seemed like I was getting pretty lucky with this whole red moon thing. And Don, do you know much about it? Have you researched it at all to see what's so f- special about this red moon thing? And I haven't. No, okay. I, uh, I mostly still subscribe to the, Hey, I can get out of the house and hunt. I'm going to go. Yeah, <laughs> so i here. <laughs> have time to go. You go. That's true, yeah. Um, you know, when time allows it, absolutely. But I was for whatever reason I I listened to it's the Fall podcast and they had some I forget the guy's name, um, but he's kind of a big deal, but I'm ashamed to forget his name. But he was talking about the Red Moon and that's what got me hooked on it. And I really became a firm believer on it when I was hunting um Russ below your dad's and I was hunting in the Lucky Stand. And I had that nice, I had a really nice eight pointer come up the trail just to the left of that stand. And again, I probably wouldn't have shot him last year. I would have, but this year I, or two years ago, I wouldn't have in 2019. Um, I didn't, um, if he would have gave me a shot, but he was coming up the trail and he probably had seen my boot move as I turned to my left as he was coming up the trail. But he just kind of stood there and watched. He couldn't smell me. 
and I didn't move after that, but that's the only thing I could think of because he stopped just before he came into the opening um, up on top, and then he went back down. But then two minutes later, um, three or four does um, came up the same exact trail and came right out with no problems. So I'm assuming he's seen my boot move, but um, that was my first real encounter with a pretty nice buck trying to follow this red moon thing. Um, so after that, I, I really became a firm believer in it, you know, um, and then I forget the following weekend, maybe not, it was a couple weekends later where I had that really good encounter. Don, do you remember, remember me showing you that one pretty nice eight pointer down below, um, in the, the stand I call the maple syrup over there? Maple syrup is that the West? Like, I always get yeah, your you always names. forget this one. Yeah, it's in the <laughs> West. Um, sort of the original. It's on the East side there, on the East corner. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. surrounded. I'm in a maple tree, surrounded by maple trees, so I call it the, the maple syrup. But that buck, um, he was really nice, and he pushed me to the limits as to passing him or not. But I think it was a really good pass because he should be a giant next year. And, um, yeah, that was like a, didn't you send me a video? It was like a 16 inch eight point. Yeah. Yeah. He was at least 16 inch eight point, probably, um, tall tines all the way around. He came to within like 10 yards on the trail, um, just inside the woods and there was corn up down there. So he was inside the corn, but just inside the woods, right along my tree. And he was gorgeous, man. Well, especially when he tipped his nose up and he just had this like big bowl shaped rack Man, he was a gorgeous buck, but when he walked by, I felt like a sense of accomplishment for not shooting him, I guess, if that sounds crazy enough, just because I was like, man, I I did it. I held myself to my standard that I'm setting for myself going forward, and I felt like I shot the deer without actually shooting the deer, if that makes any sense at all. Well, it's it's a chess match with the animal i always consider it sort of a, a big game and whether you kill the animal or not when everything comes together that animal's within bow range for me i don't care if it's a spike horn four pointer you know it's yeah. a win in my book also and i i kind of agree with you right um back when i lived down in the thumb i actually did pass some two and a halfs in my day believe it or not <laughs> and yeah it, it uh I mean, like you said, you got a pretty good feeling of accomplishment. You hope they make it through and to see three and a half. But when you have them in bow range, it's definitely tempting, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he was, oh, yeah. you know. But it, again, it just felt good to to not shoot him. And like I said, I probably would have been tempted to mount him at that point, you know. But I <laughs> fill up my entire house with two and a half year old bucks. Um, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, the same weekend of the 12th, um, I did shoot that doe in the food plot. Um, that's when I screwed up on my camera work. My heart was racing. Um, it was pretty much the only deer I had seen. And she was in the food plot on the other end, which is about 80 yards away. And then that was around 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. And then she kind of disappeared out into the tall grass down below there, Russ. And then... Uh, I'm sitting there, I think it was probably, you know, maybe quarter after 5, 5.30, um, she showed up right in front of me. She came through the tall grass, and now she's on top of me, like 10 yards away. 
and being that this was really like my first hunt of the year and the first deer I had seen on stand, my heart, every season, my heart explodes through my chest when this happens. Um, you know, if I go a long time without seeing a deer, especially hunting, my heart just goes out of control. So I get my bow ready and I got, it was the new Moxie, the Hilo. So it was the first time trying to kill a deer with my new bow. Get that situated. I, I stand up and she is looking like she's facing me, but looking off to the right and she's stomping her foot. She's picking her head up and looking down and like she's looking at something this was a pretty windy day, and I was kind of looking in the same direction as she was, but I couldn't make out if there was another deer or whatnot. And the way she was acting, stomping the foot and bobbing her head, it was more something she was worried about than another deer coming. So she eventually goes back on that same trail that we have mowed going into the food plot. So I stand up, got the camera going. I swore I hit record on it, and then she starts coming back to the trail i put the camera in perfect position i draw back i go she stops goes right past her shoulder blade angles out perfectly and as soon as that arrow hit blood just squirted out the side the arrow went in on and i've never seen something so graphic or cool bow hunting before like that and she exactly it was a rage in the cage and she went booking it down the middle of the food plot and she went i think it was like 48 49 yards and tipped over right in the middle of the food plot i'm jacked up it was it it really was you know to start the season off like that um it was the best feeling in the world just to watch her drop so fast and then yeah uh, you know you made a good shot you watch her fall it's no better feeling exactly exactly and uh immediately what i usually do is check the check the stinking camera right away and i noticed that i completely screwed it up and didn't get any of that on footage so i got a little down on myself but overall i was super happy with the hunt um it was my first heart shot ever and i don't i'm not the greatest shot in the world but it went in just behind the shoulder blade and it might even hit the shoulder a little bit but it angled quite it angled down quite a bit clipped her heart and you know she tipped over 50 yards away so it was a great hunt and the kids were happy because they got to see dad hang the deer in the garage so it was awesome beautiful Russ, you had an awesome mid-october encounter too didn't you well yeah my my encounter started a little bit early i was quite surprised at the results but um last two years for those of you that don't know me, my name's Russ Phelps. I've been helping out here with PKZ for a little while and filming. And my big goal was to get an archery kill on film. And a lot of times I go solo. I do have some friends that will help film for me on weekends. And I had the luxury of being able to hunt on the weekdays after work. So that, that helps. My woods isn't that far from uh, where I work. And, uh, yeah, so I started with the trail cameras a little more heavily uh, in the last two years. I uh, spent quite a bit of time uh, studying and learning the winds in the 40 acres that I hunt because the um, there's two creeks that come together and the winds swirl quite bad, so we have to be a little careful where we set up. And uh, it's starting to pay off. We're starting to see more and more bucks and bigger bucks and have more and more encounters. 
but you can go three, four days without seeing a deer too. It's sort of a transition woods with somewhat bedding area, but all the outside edges, some other person owns. So I'm sort of landlocked. So to hunt the edges draws too much attention. So I have to deal with transition trails. So that's been interesting. And, uh, yeah, I pretty much locked in on some deer activity and, uh, the sun's setting and I'm in my own business and it's October 3rd. And, uh, I just, there's just out of nowhere along the cornfield, here comes this beautiful eight point and you don't have a care in the world. Well, early in the summer, um, Ryan can attest to this because he helps me out with some of my pre-hunt planning. We weed whack this area, some grass, and we just sort of sweeten the pot up a little bit to make it more attractive because deer are pretty lazy. If you can weed whack six inch trail, they'll follow it. You know, at least where I'm from. So we prepped the site and, uh, here comes this buck and I got the camera. I got the new fourth arrow arm, which is just smooth. I really, I'm left handed. So things change when you're dealing with a right-handed camera. I don't know, Ryan, what side you put your camera on or Don, but... Uh, Definitely the opposite uh, side of you. <laughs> I know. It, 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 it is a little bit of a challenge at times. So I get everything prepped and ready, and, and I get the camera on the deer rather than trying to shoot the deer. And he he's beautiful. He's got the sun setting. He's got perfect four on each side he's about 17 inches wide and in his prime you know he's just full full ready pre-rut and i decided to pass on so i got good footage and i learned something that i could relax and get the film right before the actual shot well eventually i drew and practiced on the deer as he got closer and, and of course they they know you're around so he leaves and uh i'm pretty happy with the with everything i'm sitting back i even do a little pre or post hunt little follow-up on the camera and settle back down oh here comes this nice doe and uh freezer's getting a little low so she does the exact same thing that buck did it was the coolest thing she hesitated she looked around here she come down that exact same trail and I had the camera in the same spot, so I just relaxed, let the camera do the work. She turns broadside at about 22 and let her fly and was rewarded with a nice fat doe. Ryan, you helped me yeah. track it. Yeah, yeah. He, he smoked her, too. That was, a, that was an easy blood trail. <laughs> yeah, it was short, too. I think it was only like 45 yards or so. Yeah, didn't she kind and of run that, away from you then circled back towards your tree stand once she got into the woods? Yeah, there was a bunch of brush and tall, short willows and and some viney stuff on the edge there. And when I hit her, she jumped back and went back the way she came. But then she turned and went into the woods. And in that process, she went around all this deadfall. She was trying to go back down the hill behind me, and she literally did like a half circle. And I heard her, you know, crash. And I was pretty confident we'd find her shortly. And and for me, that was one of the best hits i've had too i i've been feaster famine if i make a bad shot it usually uh, keeps keeps walking but i uh been fortunate to put some good hits on deer and that one was a that was a really good one so very happy with that one 
And uh, after that, then, it just turned into a grind. It just sort of hit or miss with work, and I do some side jobs, too, so uh tried to try to play the weather and, and this and that. In that transition area, you know, I was getting bucks on film, but they were mainly at night. So you have to do the patience thing and wait for that pre-rut. Being's in there, you don't want to go in too deep because you don't want to bust out anything either. You got to kind of play cat and mouse. But, um, yeah, the, the season then for me sort of slowed down a little bit. But uh, I was seeing, you know, does and small bucks. We had a really nice crop of year and a half old bucks, which is exciting for the future. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Geez, early October in a tree stand in Michigan with a blood trail. There's no, there's no, better, no better way to spend an October evening in Michigan than to do that. Do what you guys just did right there. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, worked a little bit out as far as my health. I got myself in a lot better shape. So climbing up and down tree stands was way easier it's like why didn't i do this a couple years ago type mm-hmm. thing and and I, I could just set stands and move and be quieter in the woods and you could draw your bow better and hold it better you know and that all those all those little factors you know can make you a better hunter yeah absolutely i would agree with that yeah you seem like a champ out there especially when we were tracking and, and hauling your dough out man it was like no problem for you at that point yeah it it just felt a lot better. And, and speaking of home DRL too, you know, you and I have worked pretty hard on making these creeks and woods accessible, not yeah. by disturbing a lot of habitat, but just, just allowing, you know, we have the jet sled now, we, we load a four wheeler, you know, you just, you're not dragging and pulling and sweating and, and we can be in and out of that woods without disturbing those deer really makes a difference. I think too. Yeah, absolutely. Don, one thing like Russ mentioned on is our spots, we just we've really gotten them good at like you said mowing these trails down keeping the trails clean so that way when we're in and out of the woods we really don't disturb much if anything i know russ you got some really good like access points to your stands and then same with me except for my spot in poor hope where you got to walk you know quarter of a mile through a wide open field to get to your stand which isn't ideal but it's the only way to do it but then um in harbor beach there you just drop down below the hill and up the stand you go. You're not disturbing anything, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really nice that way. Yeah, I have to I have to walk in a quarter mile, too, because the 40 acres I'm in is sort of from a quarter mile to a half mile line in both directions. So it's really right in the middle of the section, but it butts up to like another 180 to 200 acres of woods. And I have to also do the same thing. Now, this year I had a lot more corn around me, which makes it easier but those deer prefer certain sunny spots in certain areas. And over time, as you hunt, you start to learn, you know, where deer prefer to be. And I need to trust that a little more because you know, they're always afraid as soon as you get out of the pickup, you know, they can see you and they're on the other end of the woods by the time you get there. Not necessarily true, but you just have to be confident in, in knowing and displacing yourself and not taking the same path in every time and play the wind. And, right. And we've had, I've had a lot. A lot better results um but definitely as a standard rule in the area you know it keeps up as the uh pre-rut it's gone and uh, you know you just start to see the few more daylight pictures and i don't really pull the cards up a ton either i've sort of 
check them on the way in and out of the stands when I'm hunting, but I don't just go in without anything and just disturb the area and pull a card. I'm a little bit cautious with that too. Right. I don't know how you got that with it. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Don, you probably even more so in the UP, but us, you know, we hunt, you know, in the thumb, it's high pressure state of Michigan. I don't check cards really at all during the season, unless like Russ said, um, I'm hunting that stand. If it's on my way to the stand, I'll pull it. Other than that, I don't check anything just because I don't want to put any more pressure on my spots than I already do when I'm hunting. And I'm sure in the UP down, it's even more up there because of the deer herd, right? Or would you, would you agree? Well, what I've come to do on my property with my hunt state land is different. Um, usually we're, we can bait up here. You guys can't down there. Um, you have a camera over a bait pile just to see what's coming in. But at my house, I don't, I don't bait at all, but I only put tra- uh, trail cameras where I can get to them easy. I have one on the edge of my food plot on a fence post while I ride my four wheeler in real quick and, and grab. But like you guys got your entry and exits in real good. And my wood sets up real poor for access. So I don't hard, I don't have, hardly have any trail cameras in there. Um, I only hunt the very fringes of it and I don't go into that woods hardly at all trying to keep the whole thing as a sanctuary and just hunt the edges of it. For now, anyways, I'm starting to learn the property. I've only had it for a couple of years, but like, yeah, like you guys have have those entry and exits figured out. Um, for the stands I hunt, there's deer will not see or smell me as I'm getting into my stands right now. But it's it's the, I don't know. It's the same. It's not. It's more. It's definitely big woods, you know. But my my area's ag a little bit too, but. It lays out a little bit tougher for access. I see. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, as the season progresses, um, it gets a little little tougher as far as uh, time to get out in the woods and stuff. But, man, it's it's just so peaceful. I don't – it's hard to explain how a guy can go and run around right after work, grab something, and go up and – and set up and put on the, the extra gear and haul in the camera work and you get set and you sit down and you're just like just at peace like you just time yeah. just slows down and stops and you have yeah. so dark to just just watch what happens I mean turkey squirrels you name it you know sunsets you know I hunt most evenings just because you know, of work and stuff so it that's the exciting thing for both season more than the kill in itself you know it's a goal you have but to experience that whole thing every fall you know that first 30 degree night or that you know when you tough it out and you come home and you're like yeah i sat out there all night you know there's little things like that i've learned to come to appreciate a lot more definitely hits the reset button when you can do that yeah 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 and then uh the uh gun season is like a totally different story so it's just nice to be able to spend that time i i sure hope they keep the archery seasons as long as they do and don't change any boots there yeah i'd be crushed that's that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) i'd be crushed if they changed those dates (laughs) yeah you bet the less less gun season the better for us both (laughs) definitely (laughs) yeah it's a different world 
Now, uh, that's your guys' uh, October hunts. Let's let's move into that, that pre-rut, seeking, rut, chasing, everything. And I know I know Ryan had some really good hunts for us. I'm not sure. So if you got stories, I'd love to hear them. But I know my brother was in the deer this fall. So Yeah, I... Uh... I locked on to uh, three specific bucks that I had on trail cameras. Unfortunately, their patterns uh, changed to the point where I, I kind of lost them. I I really just had a, a grind out a lot of time in the seat. Um, we uh, we just really come up kind of short. Um, you know, we planned different areas of the woods. We didn't sit in too many stands at the same time. We try to rotate things and um yeah things just kind of slowed right down for me really did and uh you know then that woods is that way yeah you you get the right dough at the right time and it'll light right up like a christmas tree and you get all kinds of activity but you know you just have to for me i just put that time in and good things can happen in a matter of seconds we all know that right yeah, that's for it's sure. usually how it happens. It's always yeah. you're always feeling like, man, there's not a deer in this dang woods, and all of a sudden this doe come busting through with the with the head honcho following her. So you hear that coming, and your heart starts skipping a beat because you know that ain't a squirrel. Finally, after the thirtieth squirrel went by, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know how I don't know how it is that there's times it happens more maybe during that time of the year in november but you can be just nonchalantly just looking around and waiting for dusk or at dusk and you're just about ready to stand up and start tearing down for the night and then there he is you know just amazing to me how they can appear out of nowhere such a cool cool experience can get you every time too <laughs> But I, yeah, so, you know, and, and every season's different. You know, last year I was I was seeing shooter bucks off in the distance, you know, through the woods and and multiple sightings. And this year it just ended up being one of those, you know, enjoyed the time out there. How was your uh, opening day of gun, Russ? I forget what happened there. Well, your dad uh, saw 45 deer plus and i saw a whole goose egg <laughs> oh gosh yeah i'm sorry all, to bring all, it up <laughs> i forgot about all that. in the same 40 <laughs> we were 250 or whatever you know through the ravines on each side and i was i was uh i sat the whole day and uh i'd never had one animal go by believe it or not i mean i've got the luck some some years i really do <laughs> but yeah, still had a good that. time and your dad was up more up to the west of me, and he was up more on top of the ridge, and he, he thinks there was sort of a hot doe in that area that just wasn't leaving because he saw multiple human apples up there. Just couldn't draw in that, that big guy. <laughs> I remember dad was texting us that day, 10 deer, 17 deer. <laughs> 21 yeah. and then the number just got you know like you said it's 40 some odd deer and it's like dude like start wasting them i don't know like, <laughs> you're seeing that many deer there's gotta be a shooter somewhere shoot <laughs> yeah and then uh we have poor reception in the woods there so at the end of the night 
we actually met at the truck and oh how'd you do i said a whole fat zero he goes his mouth dropped like his eyes got really big and his mouth dropped and he didn't really want to tell me what happened on his end <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah me too I didn't do anything. Go, are you kidding me right now like i wasn't i was a little bit annoyed but i, I was hunting but i, I was like gosh what in the world did i do wrong today kind of thing <laughs> but, that's all right there's there's plenty of season after that yet yeah that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah don um my opening day uh, was pretty eventful. Um, I was hunting the same stand I killed that doe out of. Um, what so, about your bow season? Well, that was Wisconsin for the most part. Um, I you didn't, didn't really... get. Oh, you weren't you weren't the thumb to hunt that pre rut stage. No, um, I mean my last Michigan hunt with a bow was October twentieth, and then because um, Halloween weekend. Um, uh, my wife and I made the deal. We're just going to stay here because it's my last weekend. We'll do some Halloween stuff with kids and hang out and, and be a good dad and try to be a good husband and all that stuff. You know how that is. Um, so we didn't do much um, that weekend other than stick around um, here. And then the next week, we were all in Wisconsin together. Um, I know we'll talk about that on a later podcast, uh, which you know that went up until what? November 8th or 9th, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole, would have been first solid week in November. Right. Yeah. Hunt season was that, gun season was that Thursday or something. Yeah, Thursday it was or uh, Thursday or Friday. Because I remember um, I took the day off of work and then grabbed the two kids, went up to grandma and grandpa's, and, and then so I could go hunting. Um, but my opening day, the 15th, it was a good hunt. You know, I didn't see a shooter buck, but I seen a, a handful of, of smaller bucks, um, year and a half, maybe some two-and-a-half-year-olds in there. And that whole bottom down there while I was hunting that uh, food plot was lit up in the morning before 8 o'clock. I had bucks chasing does, just running as fast as possible and jumping as high as they can for – jump over hurdles and it, it was crazy i had deer underneath my tree stand i had them running through my food plots and it was un- it was unbelievable you know, i was getting so excited because it's like all right i got these young bucks chasing these hot does there's got to be a shooter here somewhere you know with with all this activity but i didn't and you know, then daylight came. yeah and then daylight came and i, I realized i was still in michigan <laughs> But uh, daylight came, you know, I still had some activity. It seemed like every two or three hours I'd see a doe and a fawn or something like that, um, and just the day kind of grinded grinded along. But um, one cool thing is the neighbors, um, you know, Russ, they're hunting that big shack right across the food plot there. And it yeah, was, uh, what's that? It gets pretty tight quarters. It is, yeah. I mean, I think they're like 200 yards away. But um, I was watching them. I had a doe and two fawns leave my food plot and angle over towards them. And throughout the day, they had missed one deer earlier in the afternoon. And from what I could tell, it was either a father, son, or an uncle and a nephew or something like that. Because I could see a kid hunting in the shack. And this doe and fawn angled towards the guys over there. And I'm watching through my binos, and I say, bang! And I, you know, jump half out of my seat. But then I see the doe 
hauling and it died right at the property line and the kid got out and gave a a pump you know a fist pump and everything so that was kind of cool you know to see oh, yeah. you know his probably his first deer or you know one of his first deer of his life so that was kind of cool to see um so that was really the highlight i guess of my opening day <laughs> <laughs> but um what i was really anxious about is getting back to the maple syrup stand because that camera for the most part was doing pretty good as seeing a mature buck on it so i was waiting for the correct wind to go sit that spot so ryan yeah you rep you reference these stands kind of can you describe how they kind of lay out and what why you picked those spots because i know maple syrup was pretty hot through gun season yeah which is very very rare for michigan to have deer moving after like the first two days of season yeah, um, so one of the reasons I picked that spot is because Russ used to hunt it quite a bit. <laughs> he gave me all the intel from his history of sitting there. Um, but one of the reasons is is it, it's kind of a, a staging area and a pinch point because the creek from the neighbors, it comes pretty – it comes up tight to our side of the property, and there's just this a certain crossing where the deer are, are funneled or pinched where they can only cross right there. But one of the key things is on the neighbor's property, it goes up a hill, and then there's this big bedding area up there. So it holds quite a few deer, and then there's corn on top of there yet, and I had corn down below. And Russ, is that like um, 10, 15-acre field down there? What would you say? Yeah, it's about 16 acres. 16-acre cornfield, and the corn was still up, and there was some snow on the ground. It's pretty much like a bottom, like a bowl where that field is, right? It's all hidden. It's in a ravine, basically, right? Or yeah, flats. Yeah. yeah. There's one this lane, and then the whole, it's about 35 to 45 feet at about a 20% grade, and there's trees all the way around it. So it's a, it's just a big crick flat bottom. Yeah, pretty much. You feel comfortable <laughs> moving in that because they're not exposed at all then, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they don't have nobody would know you were back there even hunting. No idea. And what makes the maple syrup stand so attractive is that bedding area being so close. You know, they're literally right up the hill. As long as you keep your scent blowing the opposite direction, which in that stand in particular, I only hunt it with an east or a southeast wind. So it's never blowing into that woods at all. It's always blowing into the cornfield that's it would be like off my left shoulder. So, that's a that's a pretty rare win for Michigan too. Yeah, uh, it is. Um, you need those special days then. You do, and I only hunt it on those special days. Other than that, you know, I I don't try to risk it too much unless I'm really sure I'm going to get a crack at a mature buck. If I, if I do risk it a certain way, but even then, I really don't. The wind has to be pretty much perfect for me to go to that spot. And fortunately enough, last year, it was more often than not, like the weekend of October 20th when I saw that really nice buck that I passed, it was a great win for that at that point. And then the 15th, it wasn't, but then the 16th, it switched to, I think it was an east or southeast wind, so I could sit there all day. And what I have to do, I park my truck, and I, I've used OnX to track it, I think it's a half a mile or three quarters of a mile, I park my truck, get changed up on top, walk that lane, go down the hill, and then walk around. I get about two or three rows into the cornfield, and 
I feel like I'm like a train engine walking through it, especially in the mornings when it's dark, because you're just trying to walk through corn and be as quiet as you can. But I'm a few rows into the corn, and I wrap myself around the bowl of that field, and then I have a trail that um, we kind of chiseled out to get into the stand. And one thing cool about my morning of the 16th is I got to the stand, I'm kind of hot, sweaty, I got my jacket off, I got everything strung up on my on my bowstring, climb up into the stand, and I could already hear deer coming out of that bedding area. And it's loud because the snow is pretty crunchy. And there I had there had been like 10 or 15 deer coming out of the bedding area, come down the hill, and go into the corn. And it's still dark. My gun is hanging up on my uh, bow holder. My jacket is strung up still at the base of my tree because I didn't have time to do anything. As soon as I got up into the tree, the deer were already coming down the hill. So I basically hugged the tree to try to not let them see me sticking out or anything like that. And I hear this, (laughs) just this snort wheeze down in the corn. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, you know, there's like, you know, the chances of you hearing a snort wheeze in Michigan are slim, but if you do, you know it's going to be a pretty decent buck, hopefully. So I probably stood in my stand hugging this tree for at least an hour, an hour and 20 minutes, because it was daylight by the time I could start moving, because the deer had to leave, right? So I'm about froze. I pull my jacket up, get that on, get my camera arm set up, and finally get comfortable. And so then, did you see anything when it was getting daylight there i didn't see anything with horns um i did see you know some fawns milling around maybe a doe or two by the time i could actually like look around because i had deer all over me they were in the corn they were by my tree just from hearing them walk around and from when i from where i could move my head left and right i could just see deer milling around so i didn't want to risk anything (laughs) by getting too crazy and, and again my jacket's at the base of my tree so i'm like well i'm just gonna stand up here and freeze until until i can get my jacket and everything situated so then by the time i could settle down um i think it was like i said a couple or an hour an hour and a half into my hunt already and i'm just grinding the day out i'd see deer every once in a while some small bucks some spikes and three pointers and just all this goofy stuff and uh, i was texting dad about the snort wheeze in the morning, he's and he gave me the suggestion suggestion as we get closer to the evening to try that. Um, it's like a that like a buck's breeding a doe. I don't know, have you guys ever tried that with your grunt tubes? It's like a it's like a t- tending grunt. Tending grunt, yeah. yes, like a yeah. a buck's tending a doe. Can you do that again? you know just like that <laughs> not bad not bad yeah not bad i've had lots of practice <laughs> but um so i was like all right you know that's a pretty good idea and i think it was you know maybe five o'clock ish so i was like well you know i haven't seen a buck I'll, I'll try it so i pulled my grunt tube out and i did it for a minute or two zipped up my coat put the grunt tube away and just kind of sat there and it had been two minutes later i look over my right shoulder and i saw this deer leg standing in this like clump of trees i couldn't really make out the body but i saw the deer leg move like he just came across the creek up the hill and stopped and then i saw his head move i could see tines i'm like oh baby you know finally 
a nice looks from what looks like a nice buck. Mm-hmm. I grab my gun. It's hanging up. Grab my gun. I'm still watching. He's. I can't see his face. I can't see his eyes. So I don't think he can see me. Get the camera going and just kind of start watching that right side. And after a while, it's like I, I could still only see his legs standing there. He couldn't move, or he didn't move. I stood up, flipped my seat up. He still didn't know I was there, and then just kind of turned, and I was just waiting, like, all right, you know, what are you, basically? It felt like forever, but it was probably only five minutes he was doing that. And then he just shot out of the trees like a cannon. Like he had somewhere to go, and he was late. Was he was watching the doe. He had to been something that I yeah. maybe couldn't see. I don't know, but he was, he stood there, and then he shot out like a cannon. And when he came out, I was like, oh, my God. You know, this is one of the biggest Michigan bucks I've ever seen. But he, he comes shooting out of there. I'm watching him. I'm trying to, like, set the camera up. Like, all right, is, should I shoot him? Should I not? You know, is he my standard that I set for myself? And I'm like, yeah, I, I got to kill this buck. He's, he's a really nice deer. But the only problem is when he comes out, there's so many, so many trees that have fallen over the years it's just thicker in hell down there. So that stand was primarily set up for an archery stand to get those deer in close and be able to zap them before they see you. But he was he was moving through some thick brush. He was going under huge trees. And then there's a, a bunch of little like sapling trees that are just maybe a, a two inches, three inches around that are all over. So I have a scope on my gun, obviously, and I'm trying to find and pick a spot for for me to punched the trigger and he kept going he started to get to the base of the hill right below the bedding area and finally i go to get him to stop and he just kind of stops he doesn't even turn his head to look at me he just stopped flicks his tail and he kept going and he kind of just like walked out of my life at that point but man like what a cool experience to be able to do a tending grunt and have it work and have that deer walk you know 40 yards in front of you is it was a real treat and you know disappointing obviously i didn't get to shoot them but to have all that happen so quickly and to try a new technique that you know paid off it was it was a really good hunt really good hunt yeah i remember seeing the video or the text you sent me the pictures of the thing i'm like why aren't you shooting i know (laughs) That's how I felt. <laughs> At that close, I was too, ready to just... mow down all all the trees I could to to get a slug into them, but you know, <laughs> go on, go there out. that night with a chainsaw and cut a shooting lane. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's getting to that point down there, though. I mean, we all have to adjust our hunting areas because of that ash borer, but it's it's really hit some regions for you know in our area. Really, it's all ash. It's mostly ash, you know. Yeah, and. And it looks like Chinese pickup sticks in there. And I mean, it's to the point where if a guy would, could just cut a three foot little path, you could steer a deer past any tree that is safe to stand in. It's getting to that point. We'll have to go through that and just sort of reevaluate a little bit and try to get some more better deer movement through there. Cause right. Definitely. they try, but you can really tell where they're even struggling in places to, to go and, and they'll follow the path of least resistance. I'm sure glad that, Brian, you had some pretty cool sightings down there. It sounds like oh, you know, somebody, somebody kind of 
somebody knew what they were doing. Kind of what was going on down there, you know. But in all fairness, too, the corn was wet this year. It was late, you know. It really that helped, I think, for that yeah. spot in particular. It helped. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a little frustrating on that part of it. I mean, you never knew what was in there, and you were always optimistic, but yet at the same time couldn't see anything. And they were like you said, right on top of you right away. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then the hunt or the story with this buck kind of gets better. So the next day, which had been the 17th. So so who would you call that night and ask him for advice on what you should do? Being up uh, on Ryan time. I don't know. <laughs> Some you guy part? probably. You remember that part? <laughs> no, that part escapes me. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the wind stayed in the same direction, thank goodness, and it was the set morning of the 17th, I went back, and this time I wasn't swallowed up in deer, obviously, because now we're two days into gun season, but it was about 9.50, 10 o'clock, somewhere in there, I seen him again, and this time he was up on top in the bedding area this time, and I seen this like a three-pointer or four-pointer, one of the goofiest-looking bucks I've ever seen. I've had this goofy-looking deer on trail camera all year. He starts coming out of the bedding area, coming down a trail that leads just within 15 yards of my stand to the left of my stand, so my left shoulder. This deer starts coming down out of the bedding area on this trail, and I look behind him, and it's the big boy. And now I see him in full daylight, almost in the open and he he got bigger you know he was bigger than he was the night before so he's coming down following this buck i'm like perfect he's going to walk right around this huge tree that's in front of me he's going to walk on this trail and i'm going to shoot him within 30 yards and then i'm going to go watch him tip over somewhere so he's following this little buck and pretty soon he stops i'm like okay you know, come on, keep coming. You know, just think about whatever you're doing. Just keep coming. The little buck keeps coming. The big boy turns and goes back up the hill. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, what happened? You know, why did you stop and turn around and go back? So then it's just kind of like a cat and mouse down. I, I know I was texting you during this hunt, like, every 20 yeah. minutes or something. Like, what do I do? This is what I did. What do you think? What's going on? You know, I would, I would grunt. And I would snort wheeze sometimes, and he would come to the top of that bedding area in that woods and just kind of look. Sometimes I'd see him thrash some trees like he's making a, making a rub or something, and he would disappear. Then a little while later, I'd see him move again, you know, and he just kind of hung on up there. And I got some – it was tough to see him in the camera, but – if you blow it up like on a computer, I got some decent footage of him, and he is gorgeous. Um, I can't wait to make the video out of him. He's a really, really nice buck. If I hit, I'm not. I don't think I'm great at scoring deer, but he's got to be a 140 inch deer, give or take. You know, so, that's a pretty good chunk yeah, of antler. It is. I would say he's got to be close to 140. You know, maybe one upper 130s, low 140s, just to kind of give people an idea of what i'm looking at and he hung out up there all day right he hung up up there all day he didn't ever come out and what i what i realized is he had to have a a hot dough up there that he was tending to 
because he would not leave that spot come down to check me out at all. And what I figured he was doing with that little buck, he was just kind of shooing him away so he could have the lady all to himself. You know, that's to me, that's what had happened. Is he was just kind of escorting that buck away, and he'd go back up there and hang out with his hot doe. So that day, I could only hunt to about two because then my babysitters were all had to leave. Caitlin had to go back to school. Mom was um, going to a play or something in Lansing. So then I had to go back, grab the kids, and head back home. The sickening part about this story is that 5 o'clock on my trail camera, that buck is standing right in front of my tree stand within 20 yards. I would have easily killed him. Cause that he was standing on my bow or on my bow hunting trail, oh, guaranteed no. I would have killed him. Guaranteed, but oh. such is life. <laughs> so that's part of one of my close calls is that one right there. That's as close as it could get, almost without killing. Probably the biggest buck of my life. Guaranteed the biggest buck of my life. Gee, Ryan, I'm gonna have to do some more of these. Uh podcast with you because i didn't really hear most of that you don't, you don't really ask me what i'm up to you just okay drive safe okay. give the grandkids a hug and kiss for me hey no problem <laughs> gentlemen's agreement we don't kiss at all <laughs> oh that's good man glad you're getting some action down oh, there man that was incredible that was incredible we, we, worked, pretty, we worked pretty hard in the last couple of years trying to you know, that area is good for one or two decent deer. We're hoping for more, you know, but uh, it's just the hard work you put in and glad that you're able to yeah. see, see that pay off. So. See it pay off, exactly. Because then yeah. the following weekend would have been the 24th. Was that Thanksgiving or was the Thanksgiving like the 29th? I forget which day Thanksgiving was. Well, did you hunt opening day? Yeah, the 15th, right? 16th, so it'll what, been the 22nd, 23rd, something like that. I think it yeah. was a week later this year, wasn't it, or last year? Anyways, yeah, I think it was a little later because Austin's birthday is on the 26th, and I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah, so sort of that. Thanksgiving was like the last weekend of November. Yeah. Because I went back to the same spot, sat on the ground on the 24th, didn't see a deer, and then was back the 29th. And you guys probably remember this story. I was hunting the maple syrup that morning, didn't see anything, not a deer. Got back up to the top of the hill, Russ, so I went back up the lane and got to the top, and there was probably seven does standing by my truck. Sure. Don, you remember that, right? When I was, I called. Yeah, you, you were texting. I was standing yeah, in the me. woods, and I was standing there. I was like, "What do I do?" You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And then I, Russ, I hang up with Don, and I start to, you know, like kind of creep up on these does, and a an eight pointer, twenty yards away, jumps up out of that little ravine that comes up to the top of the hill that we've talked about. Yep. He comes. He jumps up out of there. And he runs all the way around that bowl on top and runs right in front of the lucky stand. Oh, man. I, I don't know if he was a shooter or not, but I was like, damn, you know, like, I am swallowed up in bucks. Like, no matter where I go, I see a pretty decent deer. Those those couple little, what, what it is, is the field starts 
sort of a slow or a drainage and it starts getting steeper and steeper and it drops down into this bowl and it's all of course full of weeds and trees and brush and those deer push those does it's not very distinctive and very big but it's just a place off off the normal trail and off the edge of the field enough where a lot of times i've come up the hill on the end of a hunt i usually leave just before dark for that very reason and then you just kind of watch those as you come up, you just sort of be very careful, and sometimes you can catch something with a doe unawares up there. I've shot a couple of deer like that there. It's uh, kind of a neat, neat little end-of-the-day, you know, gift sometimes, yeah. just based on topography. Exactly. And that's a, I think that's exactly what this buck was doing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's high pressure during, not like as in weather, but Michigan gun season is in full swing. He's just going to wherever he can find to get out of the way. And he knows that spot is safe because we don't ever touch it. We don't go over there for no reason. And it's a spot where deer can just hide and hang out. You can walk by there on your way into a hunt. And I've already sat in stands down there and watched deer come from there. And you're like, well, how in the heck? Yeah. How did they not see me? But it's just the way it's laid out. It's pretty neat. Like a little secret spot. So as I watch this deer run away... Don, I'm pretty sure I called you right back, and it's like, man, oh, man, what do I do? And I get back to my truck, and, and I seen what I'd say, like 15 deer in the neighbor's cornfield straight across the way. So Russ would be right in front of the lucky stand, that cornfield. There yeah, was 15 yep. deer standing out there. Yep, near that pasture. Yep. Neighbor's head. What they were doing is they, would, they were walking in that cornfield. They would basically walk up to the road feeding and then walk back to the bedding area they weren't in a hurry they weren't scared they weren't nervous they were just just like cows grazing in the pasture which is some which is kind of weird sometimes in michigan if the hunting like the last weekend's a gun season there people kind of already kind of and it's thanksgiving like you said people are kind of i don't know spent from hunting you know sometimes you can get those weird days where deer just out on their feet like that but then we get, we got an early snow and then it sort of, sort of stayed cold, but didn't snow. I think they sort of scratched around a little bit and the snow kind of melted, I think around the 15th. And then after that, it stayed in that 30 degree, 25, you know, so it had been cold enough that they had to get up, grab some food. Yeah. It was a cold morning from what I remember. Um, it was, like you said, they had to get up and just go move and. I don't think they were pressured by anything just by their their body language didn't make it seem like they were nervous or like the, anybody pushed them out of the woods or anything like that. They were just out feeding. So um, I made the plan then. Well, first then, Russ, I think I called you on my way back. And okay. I was like, where would you sit? And we, we looked at the topo map that we had printed out or topo yep. map. We looked at that and I was like, if you were me, where would you sit? And you said, I'd sit right here. And that was closer to the lucky stand, but the wind wasn't great to sit in the stand. So I just grabbed the chair and hunkered into the brush that's on top of that hill to watch that cornfield. Yep. And it was about 130 yards to the property line. And um, as I'm sitting there, I was texting uh, Don and and our dad at the same time. And I'm hunting here. This is what's going on. 
And sure, sure enough, those deer came out of that pasture and came into the cornfields. And I'm watching one after another after another. And pretty soon, I see this big boy come out. It 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 wasn't the same buck as the um, opener weekend. It was a different eight pointer that I've had pictures of, but only at night. And I recognized him right away just because his horns came up like a big bull. Um, to like the tips of his ears, tines were pretty good, but his brow tines were short. And I I recognized him right away because then I texted Don and Dad like I think I see this deer. And uh, he came out, he was following a doe, but he had a really nasty limp. Like, the dude could barely walk, but he was so rutted up, he was just, you know, he was going. He was chasing does around a little bit. And then pretty soon, it starts snowing. And I'm getting pelted in the face, I'm getting wet. And I got my camera running, but he was so far away, I couldn't get the greatest footage of him. And I could only really see him through my binos through the snow the snow led up and finally i kind of peeked out a little bit more from my hiding spot with my binos and he eventually just bedded down in the fence line and he had to have stayed there for over an hour and he just sat and watched that cornfield and watched the does feed and he just sat there and at times i would lose him but then i'd see his tines just up above the hill and like god dang it you know he's a nice buck and I was grunting. I was basically yelling into my grunt tube to try to get him to hear me, but it was quite windy. It was snowing, and there was no way. He was just too far that he he wasn't going to hear any of that. And even if he did, I doubt he would have made the trek all the way across the cornfield, get onto our side of the property for, for me to take a shot at him. But um, I sat there and watched him for over an hour. He didn't really move. Um, I didn't get anything close after that, and uh, when it got dark, I just kind of grabbed my stuff, and I I belly crawled through the, the wet, sloppy field so he wouldn't see me, and before, um, you know, as you go along that field rust where it kind of dips down a little bit, yeah. that's when I finally stood up and then was able to just walk out the rest of the way, but. Yeah, you can, yeah, it's sort of a, again, that's one of those ravines that opens up to go down to the bottom so once you got below the skyline or the hill yeah yeah, exactly so i didn't want to make me out as i was leaving but yeah that was it man that was like i said it was just a year of close calls for old rye guy here um every day even during archery season i'd see a decent buck and then as we got into november it's just shooters on top of me and (laughs) i feel like an idiot for not being able to shoot one of them but it was uh it was a learning experience and it was also nice to know that all the preparation we do to get our stands ready and scent free and all that good stuff, it, it pays off when you start seeing mature deer, especially in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they're just bigger next year. Yeah, yeah you know. God willing. We we have a lot of neighbors now on board. We have a lot of other people. You're always going to have some that just, just shoot whatever, and, and that's fine because – my opinion is if you got 10, 11, 12, and the cameras really help, and you know there's 12 year and a half old bucks and they shoot three, take your deer and go home. Yep. That's fine. Exactly. I know there's more that it's growing. And, then, and out of them, maybe four or five get big in the following year. Fine. There's three or four that make it to three and a half in, in the thumb of Michigan. You're looking at a pretty majestic animal, something mm-hmm. that you can take a lot of pride in, and 
And at some point, maybe it'll get better than that yet. You know, we just, you never know. I was fortunate enough during gun season, track down and find a beautiful four and a half year old deer, and he scored like 137. And that's my biggest by far. And it's blessed as I'll get up to see that. So, and be a part of it. Yeah, Russ is, uh, Don, he's turned into the master four and a half year old buck killer like the last two seasons. <laughs> Like every deer he's been shooting lately is at least a four and a half year old deer. Hey, when you're good, you're good, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, better to be lucky than good. But I, <laughs> uh, you know, you try, it's fun. It's fun, and it's 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 a hard thing to accomplish, and and it's something we all strive for as bull hunters. I just I just love to be able to see the animals in their natural environment, and you know, the snow covered evenings, muzzle loading, even is just peaceful, quiet. A blink of an eye, you can, you can change everything, you know, and it's a pretty neat deal. So, did your guys' seasons end after the guns, the regular gun seasons, or did you pick it up in December? Oh no, I picked it up in December. I, I actually, I, I can't quite remember why I didn't get out much during gun season after opening day. I. Well, you didn't see Maybe any deer, so. <laughs> I wasn't seeing any deer, number one, but I, I don't know. I just busy finishing up stuff at work, and, and the days were getting so much shorter. You know, it's hard to leave work then at that point and then get all that time change, and it's dark out at 5 o'clock or before. Yeah. And that's got a lot to do with it. So then, then you're on to the weekend thing, too. But but I absolutely live for and love muzzleloader. I really work on my late season food plots, number one, and then. In the woods that I hunt, I don't put any food plots in, obviously, because it's all woods. But all those find those hot crop fields and set up accordingly. And I had a couple neat spots in the past, but the crops um, were still, the corn was still up. It was getting that late. The corn was still up. The beets were off, but everything was on the opposite end of the farm to where I was hunting. So... And everything was worked up around me except for some corn, but it was still up. So I just kept in a hundred yards off of that corn field and just waited for some transition areas. And but uh, that was that was pretty enjoyable. I seen a lot of those. I was pretty much holding out for something nice, um, three and a half or bigger. And uh, I hunted a few days. I took a camera along on a few weekend hunts, and we didn't really see much. Then we get towards the. The last, I believe it was the last weekend, so it would have been right around the 18th or so. It was, at, it was a Saturday, and the wind was howling. It was out of the northwest, and I sat up into a stand by a cornfield again, and, and I hadn't seen a buck in three weeks, maybe four, um, since we got back from Wisconsin, really. And I was like, I just want to see a deer to that point. So I uh, had the camera running, and, out comes this three-point beautiful deer the snow was crunchy it was about one o'clock it was quite late i was trying to sit all day but i was starting to run out of gas here with the wind and eventually get cold and uh he comes down and gives me a pretty good show i filmed him everything was going well and of course not seeing the deer for a while my heart's coming right out through my chest again and i just did too much in the tree to the point where he got nervous and I'm like, don't do that again. Don't, 
if we're not going to shoot the deer, sit still, relax, why do you think you have to do something all the time when this animal is right in front of you? And, and you know, one snap of the head and it's over that time of the year. You can't even, and you guys know this too, you, you can't even hardly move your foot at that time of the year. You have no cover, loud, it's crunchy, your hands are cold, and you just have, you just can't do that. And it's uh, a mental check. And about 40 minutes later, I look up on top of this hill because I'm down halfway down a, a ridge, a creek bottom. I look up on top of this hill off that cornfield, and we're up on this bedding area. I see tines. I'm like, holy cow, there's tines. And there's more than more than one on one side or two on one side. All right. <laughs> and and, I, and he's, he's walking, and I get the camera over, and I'm, and I'm working on filming. I've been telling myself, don't do too much. I pointed it. I didn't have a lot of time because instead of coming to me at a creek crossing, he just came down another finger about 60, 70 yards away. It was one of them where he's coming. I see the times, and and I find an opening, and I I put the camera there, put the gun up, put the crosshairs, and he walks through, and at the point of the shoulder, boom, full trigger. Smoke flies, can't see nothing. He barrels straight down south, like, like out of sight sort of thing. Trips over a fallen ash tree, barrel rolls, and doesn't move. And I'm like, <laughs> holy cow. I mean, it happened that quick, like it usually does. So I was able to kind of get a little bit of film footage of him crashing. So I waited a little while, got my son, I went, found him. Walked over there, I was all excited. I'm like, yeah, it's a nice buck, it's a nice big old buck. And well, it wasn't as big as I thought. I had a little shrinkage, but <laughs> it was second to last day. And you know, the way he acted and the way things unfolded, it was just as exciting as if it would have been a monster trophy. It really was. I, I didn't even uh, hesitate once. I filmed the recovery, just as proud as I would have been for any other deer. But uh, you know. He'll eat really good, and we've already uh, had some nice back straps off him already. So I was pretty happy to end my deer season towards the 11th hour, you'd call it, and uh, you know, put a deer on the ground. I remember that hunt because um, I was hunting the same day. And I yeah. think you texted me at like 2 o'clock saying, you know, buck down. I'm like, holy hell, you know, like this late yeah. in the year, you know, muzzleloader, you know, rust is – knocks down a buck i'm like sweet you know like there and then there's hope for me yet now I, yeah. I was back i was back over the food plot and it i was had cold. it was cold it was a very cold weekend uh so i was hunting the food you know with the food plot and we you know got the three or four trails mowed through the grass that funneling into the plots so i'm like you know maybe we'll get a doe in here when, and a buck will show up with her um but it was about 2 30 maybe a little after three i seen this big fat doe out in the field i think she had one or two fawns with her and she was about 80 80 to 90 yards away i had her dead to rights i had all cameras going i had the big camera going i had a gopro going i had the scope right on her chest uh, you know thinking about shooting her but i'm like well you know russ did just shoot a buck he didn't you know he only shoots big big bucks you know i'm just gonna wait and i i didn't shoot her <laughs> yeah you know he could at least sent me a picture saying yep it's uh not a big one or yeah it's giant you know but i didn't hear from him 
So I let this doe walk, you know, holding out for, you know, yeah, there is the opportunity was still there. So I'm holding out for this buck and I'm thinking, all right, you know, it's a gorgeous day. And I, and I did see like a six pointer down there too. So it got me even more excited that bucks were on their feet. Russ shot one. I saw one and, and yada, yada. And then, um, you know, a little time passed and I texted Austin. So like, you know, how's it going? Did you find it? And he says, yep, um, hopefully you don't get mad. <laughs> and he sends me this picture of this deer. I'm like, what the hell is this? I could have shot this doe, but I thought you shot like this eight-pointer or something. I was like, good God, man. He just cost me some venison. <laughs> I didn't cost you any. No, it was, it was my decision at the end of the day not to pull that trigger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. We're we're all hunters at at heart in the end, and I just <laughs> little lapse of judgment. Plus, I've only shot probably four deer in my lifetime with a gun. It's been quite the yep. dry spell. So, but I love bow hunting. Exactly. Hey, you get you get fired up about it, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta do it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's why you're. That's why we're out there. You know. Yeah. That change in a blink of an eye and you can doubt yourself and that's the fun part of it you can be confident also you know it's just days where you just get that feeling too i don't know if you guys experienced it but there's times where the wind's right it's the right air i don't know the, the wood smells perfect you, you, you've just been seeing deer moving and you just get that feeling you know oh yeah and definitely comes all you know Hines had multiple sightings this year, which was pretty impressive. You know, that, that area is not, we're talking like 35 to 35 acres, maybe. And that's shared property. So we probably got half of that. So he doesn't have a ton of property to work with, but he's making the most of it. Yeah. Just got to be in the right spot. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Then. Basically, the rest of my muzzleloader season really dried up. You know, didn't really see any deer after that. Um, did get the bow out a couple times uh, right before Christmas, and uh, went back to the uncle's property and again saw a pretty nice buck. Not a shooter, but it was a nice deer that you were happy to see survive muzzleloader and happy to see survive gun season. And you know, he was on the neighbor's property as usual, eating corn and chasing does around and stuff. But then, uh. Uh, muzzleloaded i think my last hunt was the 26th um i was out at out at meisner meadows um again <laughs> i saw a freaking giant out there um i won't give too much details on that one but that is definitely the biggest buck i've ever seen in michigan and uh it was i was only out there for doe patrol i had no business shooting horns out there i was strictly meat hunting for does and try to help take care of the herd for him um, but that deer came out before it was in daylight yet before it got dark and he, it was a few hundred yards away, but I was watching him in the binos and man, as soon as he stepped out, I didn't even need binos to know that it was a giant and, uh, just kind of watched him and it got dark. I waited and snuck out and I was really worried that I spooked him because I'm walking through this giant open field. But, uh, uh my texted me that a couple of days later he had pictures of the of the deer again on the on camera after my hunt so i know i didn't spook him so but 
Yeah, it was pretty exciting stuff from the beginning of the season to end for me. Even though I only took a doe, but each hunt was very exciting. Brian, you might want to keep that same pair of hunting socks for a while or something. Something. I don't know. Don't give up whatever whatever you've been wearing. You know, one of them kind of guys, too. Yeah, I got a good routine down, you know, as far as my scent control and, you know, things. And I've really studied the land and the deer movement. And, again, you know, I'm not saying the red moon theory is a, a real thing or whatever. It was my first time trying it, and it seemed to be working out for me. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a really really good year and I, I plan on not changing too much other than taking a chainsaw and just hammering some trees down <laughs> yeah yeah same here i'm just gonna keep keep gonna try a couple different things the, the neighbor farms have changed the wood line and they've done some alterations to some of the drainages so it's changed the deer movement a little bit and uh, i'm gonna sort of I've got a couple spots in mind, and I'll just set some cameras early and and see uh, things improve. So we'll just catch the right day in the right wind direction. Anything can happen. You betcha. And like like Ryan, you just alluded to there, um, thinking you know having confidence in the red moon thing, and you guys both have confidence in your sets and how to get in and out. That's that's me and Coulter and. And Cody had talked about it before. Is you just have to have confidence and stay positive. And if you have that confidence and a positive attitude, you know, good things are gonna good things are gonna happen out there. So that's that's half the battle right there. Is being knowing what you're doing and and believing in what you're doing out there and having it pay off for you. Oh yeah, and you get the right. You put your time in, and it'll it'll come to you. You know, you just always keep keep learning. I've, I've yeah, definitely. Still, still learning and still watching and observing and see some of that deer activity. You know, I've seen bucks breed does, but it took 10 years for that to happen. And I've seen, uh, you know, rutting activity and clicking and stomping and all kinds of just crazy stuff. And, and you never know, you know, you might not see that for a while or you might see it more often than you think. But it's pretty fun to watch the natural business and order things out there in the world in the in the woods you betcha we're just a small part of it too <laughs> but is that about it for you guys or yeah we're gonna keep practicing get ready for this year <laughs> yep yeah Ooh. we're gonna get cranked up here pretty soon and russ will have to try to get a strategy uh to put some seed in the ground unless this covid nonsense keeps us at bay but i'm i plan on still uh working some dirt here pretty soon <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna change that up to a little bit I, I really you don't have to do a ton other than maybe some corn i'm i'm uh, gonna go a little later in the season i'm struggling with turning that dirt over i'm getting a lot of um like dormant weeds so i'm gonna i'm gonna opt more for in the July, August. Okay. Wait for the and, and get idea. a fall, more of a fall crop in there. I'm thinking there's going to be beans down there, probably soybeans. I have a feeling this fall, this spring, it's just my guess. I haven't asked yet. I think but so. I, like two years ago was beets. Last year was corn. I'd imagine they'd be doing soys down there this year. 
Yeah, another thing I'm gonna do is I'm I'm finding the right tree and I'm gonna plant that sucker right in the middle, thirty yards out from that tripod, and uh, it, I'm hoping it'll make a signpost out of it. That's yes. my plan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try the same thing. Yep. Do a straight tree in the middle of a field and a food plot and see what happens. Now, I wanna I gotta just drop the cash and get the right decoy. I used to decoy hunt. You guys remember stories of me garbage picking the old 3D targets, and they're not uh, stories. That, that's true. That's those are facts. <laughs> those are facts. Yeah. Those are yeah, factual. <laughs> told, you know, but uh, I got to get that. I got to get going back to that. It's just a ton of fun. You just have to. I got to come up with something that's not so heavy and bulky to get in there. Beans, I have to walk as far as I do. Definitely. It, that's that's a ton of fun. It's just a different hunting strategy and. Pretty neat. You're the one guy I know who's had pretty consistent success with that, Russ. So you better you better get after that again. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, I just the thing kind of fell apart on me, and I just never replaced it. I, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a reason it was in the in the garbage to begin with. Yeah, yeah, it was on <laughs> I resurrected it. The main thing was a little spray foam and some paint. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun with that. There's you know, I come up with some crazy idea, and I just usually, uh, it's worth a laugh or two, but when it works, then you guys are like, what the? He's yeah. like, who's <laughs> laughing now, punks? <laughs> exactly. I'll be shooting deer, and you'd be like, what? <laughs> That's the fun part about it all. <laughs> all right, well, yeah, sounds like... Like, we're kind of going to wrap things up here. I hope you guys got some birds planned out for the next couple of weeks here. We'll be in turkey season. Um, hopefully, we can do another turkey podcast with, with you guys and, and some other TKZ guys and get that all primed up. I mean, we're, we're pretty much working and sitting around at our houses, so we should be at least crank out some more podcasts here in the next coming coming weeks. And um, thanks, yeah. for sharing, thanks for sharing your guys' stories. It, it, can never get sick of talking deer especially you know that's that's most of our biggest thing that we we get after deer especially in michigan so never sick of talking deer hunting that's for sure no appreciate you calling me up dialing you up it was pretty fun yeah amen to that um i've had these stories just burning inside me i've had to get them out and i can finally get them all off my chest now so i feel a little better I'm start, start fresh for 2020 now, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I know one strategy I'm changing is I'm giving him more Jack and Coke <laughs> so I can get my butt down in there, too. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm like pretty good. Stay up late playing euchre and drinking smoothies. And, hey, Ryan, yeah, have another, man. Have another. All right, man. Where are we? Well, we? Home, the weather says it's supposed to 100% chance of rain two inches tomorrow, man. Why don't you just have another sleeper in? <laughs> I'll be wise to your tricks. If you start feeding me uh, smoothie mix and then asking me where do I think I should hunt in the morning, I know there's something going on here. Uh, don't worry. I'll have a completely different strategy by then. You'll forget. <laughs> I got a little longer in the tooth than you, so I, I think I'm That's true. That is true. He just gave you the fastball there. He's setting you up for the changeup right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> never, never know. 
<laughs> well, all right, guys. Thanks for thanks again for coming on, and we'll chat with you later. And thanks for tuning in, everybody, to TKZ Outdoors podcast. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>